because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So I think what Paul's saying there, as you're going through this tribulation and trusting the Lord and enduring and knowing he's doing something good, you're actually experiencing the love of God and the presence of God in your life. See, it's, it's the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. And this is important. God's not just saying, hey, hack it through on your own. Just be strong. He's saying, I want to pour my life in you through what Jesus did on the cross. So again, we have to ask ourselves, is that, is that what I'm experiencing as I'm going through this process of tribulation and growth? Am I really experiencing that outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Well, maybe you say, no, but I'm, I'm telling you it's available to you because God's promised it right here. So how do you access that? Through faith. You, uh, John the Baptist said, when you know, I baptize you with water, you know, as representing the law, John the Baptist, it was, there was um, limited impact you could have on a person's life. I baptize you with water, but he who is coming after me, he's mightier than I, whose sandal I'm not even fit to loose. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and in fire. With his winnowing fork in his hand, he will thoroughly purge the threshing floor. He will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. That's the very thing he's talking about here, the tribulation. You got chaff in your life. You're, you're repentant, right? You've gone through John's baptism of repentance of sin. We, we recognize we have to turn from sin. That's what the law does. That's what the ministry of John the Baptist did. He says, hey, prepare your heart. For the coming of Jesus. So we've responded to that. We said, Jesus, I'm, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. I need a savior. And we bow at the feet of, of Jesus Christ. And then he forgives our sins because of the cross. But he baptizes us. He fills us with the Holy Spirit. And then he goes about the process of burning up the chaff out of our life. The junk that's got to go. It's only the wheat that's good, right? The chaff you can't eat. They would... Um, they would just burn it. God's, Jesus is working that in you through tribulation. But he does want us to experience his power. And we might have the wrong, we might think the wrong way of that. We're going through a trial. It's like, well, I feel far from God. I don't feel his presence, his power. And I guess that's, you know, God punishing me or God, uh, you know, doesn't want me to feel close to him. I, I, that's a lie. Because right here it says he wants to pour out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. God's not mad at you. He loves you. You're, you have met the requirements of the covenant by bowing at the feet of the cross. By belief, You have met the, re the requirements. So just start to enjoy it. Enjoy his presence. Enjoy his power. Enjoy his love. Let him pour his love into you. He loves you. Okay, let's go on. Verse 6. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, and yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, 
we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death, death of his son, notice this language, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Look up to verse 9, much more. Verse 11, and not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. These are really important verses for us to know. So <clears throat> Paul has laid out this argument that we're justified we're going through this process of sanctification and then glorification. You've heard that before, right? We're justification, sanctification, glorification. Justification is God declaring us not guilty. Sanctification is God working in us now as we're still here on earth. And then glorification will be our future state. Paul's reminding us that all of this that God is doing by his grace is not still not because we're good people. He, it's all because he loves us and he's dealt with our sins. And as, as we've trusted Christ, then God has given us his favor and, and right relationship with him. So verse six, he's reminding us of this. When you were still without strength, and, and that word without strength can be translated, you know, you're, you're in this sickly state, you're, you're, you're in a sinful state, you have no access to God. You're in this really weak place, but in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. We are the ungodly. It is only the death of Christ that has taken us from this place of weakness and sick, spiritual sickness and death <clears throat> to resurrection life. And so he reminds us of that. He says, for it's not because you're good, you're receiving this grace. Verse 7, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So notice, he, he was talking about the love of God being poured out into our hearts. Verse 8, he's now he's demonstrating his love toward us. Paul's reminding us, God has done this work of salvation for you because he loves you. Not because you were good enough, because he loves you and he wanted to deal with your sin. It's not because he saw some good in you. Oh, I finally found a couple people, you know, that I do see some good in them, that maybe they could be my people. No, that's not how it works. We're all on the same level. We're all separate from God. He, he loves the whole world. God so loved the world. But he's providing salvation to, to us sinners because he loves us. And then look at verse 9. It says, much more. Middle of verse 10, much more. Verse 11, and not only that. It's kind of like one of those cheesy commercials where the guy will say, and not only that, but there's much more. You know, it's, 
I don't think Paul was kind of, you know, in that in that realm. But but it is the same principle. He's saying, look, uh, what I've just told you, I, I believe me, there, that was great. But uh, there, there's even more, Paul's saying. How could there be more than Jesus dying on the cross and forgiving our sins? Well, there is. And he's saying, uh, number one, verse nine, the much more is you've been justified by his blood, but you're saved from his wrath. God's not mad at you anymore. You know, we, we read earlier in Romans, and of course much of the Old Testament is about this, you know, God pouring out his wrath on sinful people. And yet now he's not pouring wrath on us, he's pouring his love on us, the love of God through the Holy Spirit. So he says, you, you all need to understand and think this way, even though... You know, we know we deserve wrath. And sometimes we're, we beat ourselves up, don't we? Thinking somehow, you know, well, I've, I've just been so sinful. Uh, I, I deserve this punishment. And Paul's saying, well, that's not coming from God. Now, the Lord will chastise us, right? If you're a child, you have a child, and that child disobeys, he's going to get a spanking, and it hurts. But, you know, the parent isn't going to, you know, throw that child in jail. Uh, or or condemn that child uh, to death for for their sin. The heart of the parent is, hey, I want to teach you to quit walking in this kind of foolishness and rebellion because it's only hurting you. And I'm going to give you this little spanking. You know, it's it's going to hurt, but it you know it's usually such a sh- for a short duration, right? Of course, the child thinks they're going to die, and it's forever and we think that too when we're being chastised like oh man this hurts the lord knows how to chastise very well doesn't he bring pain because you deliberately sinned but it's again just endure it you know take it like a man kind of thing and and just realize this isn't going to be forever i'm going to come through this and hopefully i'll learn from my chastisement not to repeat that behavior god is so awesome in the way he deals with this but it's it's like a loving parent uh, wanting to reach his child's heart, it's not like a, you know, an executioner about to kill a criminal. You know, that's that's wrath, and and so we have to remember God is not mad at you. He he loves you even though you blew it. He loves you, and he's gonna bring you through this this time of chastisement back into his joy. And so we're saved from wrath. So don't accept that kind of condemnation from the devil anymore verse 10 and if when we were enemies we were reconciled to god through the death of the son much more having been saved having been reconciled we shall be saved by his life now this is a a very powerful verse he's saying look think about it if while you were an enemy of god he died on a cross for you but now you're not an enemy of God anymore. You've been reconciled. In fact, you're a friend of God. You're a child of God. If he would die for you when you're an enemy, how much more do you think he's going to do for you now that you're his child? And, and what he's saying is you can be saved. If you're saved by his death, how much more would you be saved by his life? In other words, he's with you now. He's resurrected. His, the power of his spirit is with you. So it'd be like, you know, if I um, threw myself in front of my, my daughter, Kelly, you know, to take a bullet for her uh, to, to save her life and, and I died. And Kelly's like, 
<clears throat> that's great, Dad. Thanks for doing that. But um, I'd rather you were alive and could be helping me, right? I, I, I appreciate you for your death, <clears throat> but your life was even more valuable to, to me. I wish you were with me and could walk with me and, you know, buy me lunch and stuff, you know. And, uh, and that's kind of the same, you know, lame example, but kind of the same principle. <clears throat> if his death could save you, wouldn't his life be even more valuable to you? <clears throat> and so often we're limited in our thinking. We think, well, yeah, we understand the death of Jesus and he forgave me. But, you know, I'm just struggling on my own in this life. And he's saying, hey, don't quit thinking like that. You are saved. In other words, we're not talking about, you know, salvation from hell or salvation, you know, saved by, it says saved by his life. He's not talking about initial salvation, forgiveness of sin. He's talking about walking with the Lord, the things that you need to be saved from now, right? Depression, anxiety, the power of sin, uh, all the things we need to be saved from, he's with us now. If we will access those things by faith. Again, it's not automatic. You could live your whole Christian life wandering in the wilderness and never, you know, cross into the promised land of faith and uh, belief. But that's another sermon. So verse 11, and not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've received the reconciliation. So again, he's pointing you back to a relationship with God. Your sins are forgiven. You get that. Uh, he died to give you a place in heaven. But Paul's saying you, you not only have a peaceful relationship with God, but you can actually rejoice in God's presence. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, not because of, again, not because of your own goodness, because of the merits of Jesus Christ. So, <clears throat> you know, ask yourself this week, am I rejoicing in God through Jesus Christ? Or am I allowing myself to live in this, this lower plane of, of, of sin and defeat and thinking God's mad at me and disappointed with me? And, you know, the Lord wants... You know, he's your Abba Father. He wants you to jump up on his lap, rejoice in him, enjoy his presence, rejoicing in God. So we got to keep moving, though. So now this, this final section, there's quite a few verses here, and we'll, we'll read through this quickly. But then I want to show you a couple uh, charts up here that I think will help us to understand this section of Scripture. And, and this is a very powerful section of scripture it, it gets pretty technical and and it's a little hard to follow paul but basically what he's doing here paul is comparing adam and jesus and the impact of the sin of adam the one act that adam did of disobedience to god how that impacted the whole world through sin and death right that we inherited not of our own choice so he's comparing that the the power really of that that act and the devastation of that sin almost as if it, it was a wave of sin and death that spread over the earth very powerful right we've all felt that we've all felt the devastation of of sin in our own lives and the consequences of that and and then trying to overcome sin it's very powerful it's very difficult but what Paul's doing here is lifting up 
the act of the one man, Jesus Christ, and the power of that one act of obedience and the grace that flowed to us through that one act of obedience on the cross is more powerful than that wave of sin and death that Adam produced. Again, do we think that way? Or we just think, oh, we live in this world. We're so defeated. You know, the devil seems to be winning and we're just, you know, I can't wait to get to heaven. I'm just, I'm just defeated. And, you know, no. There's a, a place of power that the Lord has for us now. And as I read through this, I'm going to quickly stop on a couple verses and, and highlight them, but uh, we're just going to go through this pretty quickly and then go over these charts, and then we're going to have a ministry time. So let's, let's jump in, uh, verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, thus death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed when there is no law. So in other words, he's saying... Even from Adam until Moses, even though there wasn't a law, uh, the law of Moses, there was still sin and death that was produced, right? Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is the type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense, For if by the one man's offense many died, much more, notice that word again, much more, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. So Paul wanting you to have that mentality of the abounding, overcoming grace, it's much more than Adam's sin. Uh, Begin to believe that, begin to walk in that. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more, there it is, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life, through the one, Jesus Christ. So it seems to be kind of a, a victorious mentality, like we can reign in life through that gift, that, uh, that abundant grace that comes from Jesus, that gift of righteousness. Aren't you glad you don't have to produce righteousness on your own? It's a gift. You know, the other, the other day, I, I think it was Saturday, I, uh, or maybe it doesn't matter what day it was, but anyway, I woke up from this nap. Yeah, I do take naps once in a while. And, uh, and I just kind of felt this emptiness and this, like, like I just, it was almost like the Lord showing me my own heart. You know, there's, I have no righteousness. I have no motivation. I have no strength. And it kind of panics you for a second, right? You're like, oh my gosh, I, I, I'm just, but it was like, wait a minute, start receiving the gift of righteousness from the Lord. See, he gives us those moments where we see that we have nothing, we're empty, but then your faith kicks in and you're just like, oh, okay, but Lord, you are my righteousness. And I just right now begin to receive your righteousness. And, and of course, he just pours it into you and you're like, oh, wow, that was nice. I didn't have to produce it. It's a gift of righteousness. 
Verse 18, therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. So he was talking about there was a period of time where there was no law, but, you know, death still came to people. But now when the law came, it just magnified the truth that we're, we're sinners and showed the depth of our sin even more so. So in that sense, the offense abounded. When the law entered, uh, the offense, that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. That's a very important verse. So the enemy can try to attack you and destroy you, or others can accuse you, say, you're just such a sinner. You say, well, yeah, but my, my sin might abound, but grace abounds much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Oh, so I can just go sin it up, right? Because grace will abound. And that Paul answers that in chapter 6. Of course not. That's not what Paul's saying. <clears throat> so I want to show you a couple charts here that I think will help understand this chapter. I worked really hard on this. Does it look cool? No, I, I didn't. I stole it off the Internet. Okay, no, go back to the other thing. Okay, so Sam was concerned that you guys wouldn't be able to see. Can you read that from the back? Is the eye chart? No, okay. We're going to blow it up. But uh, not yet. <laughs> I tricked you, huh? Okay. So it says, contrast of characters, Adam versus Christ, Romans 5, 12 through 21. That's what we just read. So it's showing Adam on this side, you know, going toward the tree. And Christ with his halo, and uh, did you think he walked around with a halo? But I don't know. I kind of like that with the with the beams of light, you know, glorious light shining down on him. But so um, comparing Adam to Christ, and so then we'll go down this list of things that Adam brought to the world, and we'll we'll go down this list of the things that Christ brought to the world. So let's zoom in on this. Oh, wow, good. See, I just touched it in it. Yeah. So what did Adam bring? He brought sin into the world. Many die because of his sin. His sin results in condemnation. His disobedience brings sin to many. His sin reigns in death. Okay, then let's go over to Christ. He gives people victory over sin many live because of his grace his death results in justification his obedience brings righteousness to many his grace reigns to bring eternal life so go back to that other mode so now you kind of go across this way and you and it, it contrasts so he brought sin into the world he gives people victory over sin Many die because of his sin. Many live because of his grace. 
His sin results in condemnation. His death results in justification. His disobedience brings sin to many. His obedience brings righteousness to many. His sin reigns in death. His grace reigns to bring eternal life. And you can get a copy of this for 1995 after the service. I mean, I got to make money somehow. No. No. Okay, so go to the next page. So here's another one that I think is helpful. So it says, by one man. At the, can you read that at the back? Okay. So you don't have to mess with this one. We'll just walk through. So by one man. One man, Adam. One man, Christ. Got your scriptures over here that we just went through. So under Adam, we have the sin and offense. Under Christ, the cross and grace. So the act of that one man of going to the cross brought us grace. The act of this one man of his offense brought sin to the world. And then what's imputed to us? And um, the the word imputation, it's like... um, we talked about that last week. Like if I impute it to you, it's like I'm, I'm crediting it to your account. Or the word put, notice the word put, I'm putting it into your account. So because of his sin and offense, judgment came. But because of his work on the cross, righteousness came. And I received that by faith. But that was his, that judgment of his sin was really imputed to me. I didn't ask for it, right? We inherited that sinful nature, but then we added plenty of sins ourselves, right? So we can't blame Adam. But this, by his free grace, free gift, his righteousness was imputed to me. So you see that similarity. I I didn't produce either of these. I just inherited them. This one I had to inherit by faith. This one just came to me automatically. So people can say, well, that's not fair. You know, I didn't ask to inherit his sin. And it's like, well, but you have access to his free gift of righteousness. And then so what's the result of his, uh, his sin is condemnation. God condemns you to death. What's the result of the work of Christ? That he justifies me and gives me life. And it says, 1 Corinthians 15, 22, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And then one more chart. This one's not as pretty, but same, uh, same principles. That, that which comes to man by Adam and Christ. So from Adam, sin, death, condemnation, disobedience, sin increased, sin reigned, death reigned, through Christ, righteousness, eternal life, justification, obedience, grace abounded, grace reigned, reigning in life. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for these truths. Lord, I pray you would give us a heart to meditate on these things, to know these things, and to to not let the enemy lie to us, not let our own flesh and our own way of thinking dominate us, but as we yield to the Holy Spirit, to the Spirit of truth, to teach us these things, Lord, that there truly would be victory in our life, transformation, joy, and peace, and just to reign in life in your power. Lord, I believe that's what revival is. And Lord, as, as your people's faith are rooted in these truths, their, their thinking is transformed. 
related to these truths, Lord. They're not going to be pushed around anymore by sin, by the devil. And we just, we just pray as we continue in this Romans Revolution challenge, Lord, that you keep our hearts uh, fixed on your word, meditating in your word, and your Holy Spirit will, will just bring alive these truths to each of us in Jesus' name. Amen.